The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. You would have seen a few weeks ago that Kylie Jenner is on track to be the youngest self-made billionaire. She's perhaps the most prominent and successful of a new breed of entrepreneur that has weaponized fame and a deep understanding of the way social media operates to create products and market them to a super savvy audience of switched on super consumers. One of the most remarkable things about the Jenna story was how she did it with so few employees, using third party suppliers to manufacture and distribute with marketing, product and insights, the bits that she brought to the business. I tell you the story because it isn't just happening overseas. We have a local example of someone who did not start with the fame or resources of a Kylie Jenner, but who has managed to start three hugely successful online businesses in Australasia, sell two of them for figures that have set her up for life, and has been so strong at using the new influencer channels that she's even used Kylie Jenner herself to sell her wares. Ialu is a serial entrepreneur who is a social marketing star and is now sharing what she has been so effective in doing by creating a network of events around girls and business and is consulting and helping other brands succeed online. It is a great pleasure to have Ia on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Hey, so you first found the big success with Waste Trainer, but that wasn't your first business. Tell me about the e-com that you did straight out of uni. So when I was in my final year of uni, I decided that I wanted to start my own clothing store. So I called it I'll Take All Three. And I basically, I I kind of prepared while I was at uni and then as soon as I finished, I just launched it. Um, It was just a clothing, online clothing retailer. So that was my very first business. And what led you to um, then shut that down? I didn't, so I didn't necessarily shut it down, um, but about five months in, I started Waste Trainer at the same time, and I could just see Waste Trainer growing, so I thought I would put all of my resources into Waste Trainer, which meant uh, not doing the clothing anymore. That's a really interesting thing, of putting all of that focus into uh, one thing at a time, because I read somewhere um, that you had the idea for starting the e-com halfway through uni. But you decided to just keep, uh, you, you know, and, and it's not that difficult to start an e-com store. You can just, you know, th- throw up a website. It is something you could maybe do around uni. But you decided to keep your focus on uni until the end and start. Tell me about that idea of, like, focus. Uh, so I, I actually asked my dad, I, I said to him, I kind of want to, I want to stop uni and I want to start my own business. I know what I want to do. I want to start my own business. And he just said to me, like, you're already halfway through. 
it's just finish it and then do whatever you want afterwards. So I kind of thought, okay, I've I've already committed. I'm just going to finish. Um, and also uni is actually a lot of work. So in my third year, I don't think I could have actually run it simultaneously doing all the uni stuff as well. So I'm glad I did wait. What kind of stuff did you learn out of setting up the first e-commerce business that then became useful to you? So there were a lot of things that a lot of things that I can see that are mistakes, um, and I can see that they're mistakes now. But at the time, I couldn't see they were mistakes. So one of them, for example, is I was spending a lot of time creating all of my own content, um, and then now I would do the complete opposite. So I don't do any content creation pretty much, and I just get other people to. Um, create content, and it's it's a complete different focus. Tell me the story, and I know you've told this a lot of times, about how Waste Trainer came to be. What was the insight that started that company? So I was actually on holiday. I was visiting my family in China. I do that once a year. I was pretty bored, so I was on Instagram just scrolling, and I found this American brand of Waste Trainers. So this was a product I hadn't seen before, Um, But I did want one. So I bought one, I tried it, and I loved it. So then I thought, what is the harm in getting a few and seeing if any girls like me would be interested in one too? So I got a few, like the the minimums are pretty low. And I was just like, I'm going to put them online. I'm going to make an Instagram, it's free. Make a Facebook, it's free. Do a free website and just see if I could sell one or two a week. Um, And then it just just grew. What, What is a waist trainer? It is, it's a, it's like a tight compression garment. Um, and it's, I mean, essentially it's just to curb your appetite so you don't try to eat so much and, yeah. Does it make you stand up straight or like does it shape your, um, you know, is it like a corset kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's probably like you would say probably a mild, a mild corset or a, bo- a body compression garment. Do I sound like I'm 100? It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, of course. Yeah. Um, so, but, and were these very common? Like, um, it, it, it's still, it, it, so when you were able to come back and bring it in, was it one of the first kind of offerings like this in the market? Uh, definitely not internationally. Internationally, I was seeing it in America, but then Australasia, I, no one, I don't think anyone was really doing it. I saw a couple of little people trying to. Um, but then I think I got in there first, so that was quite lucky. And how did you make that company grow? Um, it's how I learnt to do a lot of the marketing techniques. I actually just watched other businesses. I watched other successful businesses, and I just tried to replicate things that got me to purchase. So if I ever bought something, I would stop and think, what made me purchase? Did I did I see the ad, an ad? Was it the text? Was it a sale? Did they email me? Um, and then just replicate all of those methods. And so what what are the methods for you? So, you know, um, you, you talked a little bit about the content. Something you had huge success with was using kind of third-party content creators or influencers, as people might call them. How did you, how did you start to um, find success in that? So the, how I found the way Shona was through an influencer. So that's why I thought, if I'm seeing it this way, if I'm finding it this way and I'm actually purchasing, this is a good way to reach people. And that's how I started um, getting that going. How do you choose people? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think you should be too particular. Sometimes people have told me, like, this person's not a good brand fit, and this person's not a, you know, doesn't 
go well with your brand, but I just think everybody has a network. Um, you don't have to be too particular because everyone's got a sister or a brother or a, a friend that might be interested in your brand, even if that person isn't necessarily the perfect brand fit. So just anyone with an audience that fits your target audience. So, so in the case of um, Waste Trainer that you built from, you know, nothing, a, a product with very low awareness in the country to be doing kind of, you know, three million plus of um, revenue a year. Is that, is that, is that right? Or was it, was it more than that? Yeah, no, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's that's a huge growth over um, like a, a year or something. Yeah, is that a right? year, yeah. <laughs> wow. And so talk me through the mechanics of that. Like, how, how do you go from kind of um, uh, finding a supplier and, and getting a, a small supply and, and throwing up some online um, presences to, to, to building? Because that must have been enormous month-on-month growth. Yeah, it was very hectic. So when we started, it was just me. I had one casual girl when we started picking up. Um, and we were on the floor of my spare lounge. We were sending parcels. And then we, I started getting a sore back, so I was like, okay, I should probably buy some furniture for the room. <laughs> um, and within one to two months, I had eight girls, um, doing all sorts of things, packaging, marketing, uh, and then that shrunk back down to five full-time. So then I just stuck with those five for the rest of the time. Um, and it, it was it was hard to scale so quickly, um, trying to find people, trying to get more product, um, just do everything. But then again, e-commerce is so scalable. One person could send five parcels or they could send 200 parcels in a day. Um, a lot of it's automated. It's all through the computer it's so it's it's e-commerce is the best way to scale and your inventory i imagine was reasonably simple uh just a few products single supplier you can turn the tap on or off to get bigger or smaller definitely so waste runner has been the easiest business (laughs) that i've run so far um yeah all of it all the mechanics were very straightforward what would a day look like for you because um from the outside looking in on these businesses the marketing is, you know, a, a huge component um, when maybe in a traditional business people would spend, you, you know, maybe 20% of their time on operations and 20 on product development and, you know, ready. But it seems like marketing is, is, a, is a really big focus. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you've got your product, you've got your product range. Um, the only thing you really need to do is marketing that I can mm-hmm. think of, um, especially just being e-commerce. You don't have a physical presence. People can't just find you. You need to get in front of people. And so, yeah. What 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 kind of um, what does a day look like in terms of running a marketing engine like that? Um, so everybody kind of does different things. You've got one person processing orders, sending out orders. You've got one person doing customer service, just making sure everything's fine, doing returns. Um, and then the others, I mean, we're just contacting influencers. We're organising collaborations, um, tweaking ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, and just pretty much we just every day we're just tweaking. We're just trying to make everything smoother, cheaper, um, you know, just run better and better each day. With those kind of um, collaborations and influencer engagements, because that was also a really key part of um, Lux Fitness, which is the next thing um, you launched, How what, what makes a good one for you? Like, what's a kind of like a great experience? And, um, you know, how much of a, a hand do you have in the content creation? How much do you leave to the influencer? Uh, we, I mean, sometimes we give guidelines if you want them to talk about 
anything in particular about your product, but the large majority of the time we just leave it up to them. I mean, if someone is going to endorse your product, they should like your product. They should potentially, you know, they should use your product. Um, and so they can say what they want to say. They can have their opinion. And the reason I like using third-party content creators is because they're essentially creating content for you and they're spreading the word. So it's kind of killing, uh, what is it? Killing two birds with one stone uh, rather than you just creating content and posting yourself. In terms of Lux Fitness, what was the insight there? What was the idea that drove you to start that company? So about six months into Waist Trainer, I think I was somewhere again on holiday board on Instagram and I was seeing a lot of fitness posts. I could see there was a trend going towards fitness and I just thought, what is a business that I could do that people can come back repeatedly um, and, you know, repeatedly and buy products repeatedly? So I thought protein powder. Uh, Fitness is getting bigger. There's all these gyms popping up. Um, So I thought we'll just give protein powder a go. What year was this? This was, this. I started thinking about it in 2015 at the six months after I started Waste Trainer, but it actually took about six months to plan. Uh, we only launched in June of 2016, so quite a bit later on. And this this wave that you correctly picked mm-hmm. has been huge as well. And I imagine, yeah, that's so interesting, that idea of a recurring business model. I suppose you don't buy a Waste Trainer every mm. month, but you do buy the protein powder. What was different about that business and how um, did, were you able to use the same playbook and did it go the same way? So the basics were the same, the fundamentals. So you've got e-commerce, you're still sending um, product out, it's B2C, same marketing methods, but there were different issues. So the manufacturing, we had to make everything ourselves, the bottle, the protein powder itself. So the minimums were much higher. Um, and then things like sending to customers even the protein powder is so much heavier it's larger than the waist trainer so there were logistical issues um, but you find a way to overcome all the problems I suppose so we made it work in the end. And the beauty of recurring revenue Mm. means that maybe you have more to play with to, to solve those problems. Yeah, definitely. Like every month there's just more more and more customers, loyal customers um, that love your brand. So it's it's a really good business model. How do you stand out and build trust and credibility? Because so many people do jump into the space of like supplements or um, protein powders and the like. And they, you, you know, um, to an outside observer who doesn't know the scene really well, mm. a lot of the tactics look the same. You know, you approach similar um, influencers and they all do similar kind of posts with similar coupon codes. How do you become the one that people like choose and trust? Or do people try lots of things? Or what what, what do you do to to build that? So how we try to differentiate is um, we tried to make it the product itself really Instagrammable. We saw a lot of the protein powders and supplements out there all in the big tubs for they're kind of targeted to men. So we thought we would do this beautiful glass looking bottle with um, a really pretty lid on it. And the bottle itself was actually really hard to get. I got quoted $47,000 in New Zealand just for the bottle mold, not even the bottle, just the machinery. Um, So we ended up having to go get the bottle made overseas, um, and we still do. Um, But then I think that is why it does so well. It's just so Instagrammable, if you would say it that way. 
and then I think it's getting people to love your brand, to make it seem like so many people use it, so many people love it. And those two combined is it's the key, I think. Yeah. And is that um, in terms of, you know, the, the people posting it, do you have long-term relationships with your influencers or do you do lots of small um, iterations or what's your kind of approach to that? Yeah, definitely. So we kind of monitor all the influencers. We will give some a discount code, like you say, and try and track their sales. Um, if someone is doing a lot and bringing um, a lot of you know, new customers, then we definitely will keep them on. We'll sign people on for six months, 12 months. And then every so often we might just do one-offs as well. And do they make money out of, uh, um, is, is, you know, is it normally like a one-off fee or do they make a commission on the number of people that come into you? It's up to you. Everything is a negotiation. Um, the majority of the time it's a set fee, but we have had people say, or we have had negotiations and said you can have a commission and a set fee or whatever you agree on. And in terms of that kind of model, like um, the global versus local thing is really interesting. So you're really kind of like strong Australasian um, mm. business set up, but then still reaching out to these really big international figures like Kylie Jenner. Mm. T- tell me how that kind of um, works. Was that to try and go international or was that to be more kind of credible locally? Uh, so with Waze Trainer, we, the majority of our sales were already international. I think 70% was international already. Mm. Um, so then we f- I figured we're already kind of international. Why don't we just use Kylie? She is known everywhere. So it was just a little bit more of a push. Um, and that's yeah, that's why we chose to use her. And so, how does one go about actually um, approaching and getting someone of that level of um, of fame? It was it was quite hard. Um, we tried to contact Chris Jenner, um, her media agency, and then we couldn't get a response for a couple of months. And then an agency actually approached us, so they must have seen that we do that type of marketing, and they emailed me and said, hey, I've got a list of celebrities. Would you be interested in working with any of these celebrities? So they sent over a price list. I think at the top was Selena Gomez, um, Kendall Jenner, and then third and fourth were Kendall and Chloe um, in terms of price. And then like the list just went on with celebrities. So I thought this is, this is like the opportunity. This is what we've been trying to find. So we went ahead, did a contract, um, and then just paid, and she did the photo. So it's very easy. And so for one photo, how much was it? It was, um, I think it was about 300000 converted to New Zealand dollars. Um, and that was for one Instagram, or well, one photo, but put on her Instagram and Facebook. So the reach of those, I mean, now it's over $100 million on each. Was it, was it, it would have been no, enormous then as well? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly, but I mean, our web traffic just went crazy. So, yeah. And so mm. one, one post on a person of that kind of following does it make a significant difference to the business? Uh, well, we we gave her a discount code. It's funny, a lot of people, we got so much web traffic and a lot of people didn't use her discount code. So can't actually say that's a good um, measure of conversion. But um, I figured out we had to sell 6,700 waist trainers to break even. And we did after like a month and a half. So it was fine. It paid off, and I got a ton of press. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it all worked out. So heaps of press and heaps of credibility. Mm, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then, does it make it easier to work with other people, or? Um, def- I I haven't actually worked with another celebrity. It's pretty expensive. Mm. Um, so, but it, it was a good experience, at least to try. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, and in terms of that kind of um, the, the journey as well, so you had had waist trainer and it was going very successfully. You started Lux Fitness. Mm-hmm. How did that go as a business? Um, Lux, again, grew really, really fast. Um, I think by the third month, oh, we were just, you know, doing hundreds a day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is, essentially it's the same business model. It's very easy, It was very easy for my team to run both simultaneously. Mm. And tell me about, like, the decision to then package those up and, and sell them. How did that happen? I didn't actually intend to sell them. I was talking to my mum and I can't remember how we started talking about business sales. I think she used to work. She used to work at ABC Business Sales. And then she was like, oh, you could probably list your business to see how much you could get for it. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's free to list your business. I'll just see how much I could get for it. And then I actually got a good offer. So I was like, okay, maybe I will think about selling it. Um, because my one of my dreams when I was younger was to build my own home out in Coatesville. Um, and I was like, if I can sell my business, I can achieve this dream. So that's why I ended up doing it. How long had you been running them? Not long. I only had Lux Fitness for nine months and Waste Train, I think, a year and a half. That's remarkable. So you come out of a BCom mm. um, and then within a couple of years, you've created two two businesses with multi-million revenues um, and then sold them and building your own house in Coatesville. Yeah. <laughs> was was there a plan to do that? I think there was an ultimate goal, but not in, not in that order. So I envisioned in my like third year of uni, I was like, I'm going to do this clothing store. It's going to be, it's going to be massive. And it just didn't, I mean, it didn't work out that way, but that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and but that led, led uh, along the way. You picked up the e-commerce um, experience that led to the next two mm. successes, and so so that, I mean that that's quite um, a, a remarkable um, achievement in quite a short time. Like, yeah. were you surprised by how it went, or does it feel kind of like natural once you're in the flow of it? Or um, I suppose it has happened quite fast. You, I was pretty busy most days, so I didn't really even notice the time going by, but. I mean, now I'm so like I'm so happy with how everything's gone. So, and tell me about um, Bambi Bambi Boutique. So back to the original approach of clothing. I mean, I've always been passionate about clothing as a girl. I don't know, like a lot of girls like clothing. Um, and I had a six month bio, uh, six month period after I sold my business that I had to work for the new owners, and they were so cool. So it was easy. And then I was like, I kind of want to try clothing again. Like I, I, I would essentially fail the first time, but I think I have the right resources to make it work this time. And it has been hard. Clothing, again, is same business model, but so many products. It's totally different to Lux and Waste Trainer. So. Yeah, what are the challenges around inventory and around, um, yeah, I guess pe- people? Like the, the returns and the kind of like the difficulties with people with clothes are probably higher than with um powders or trainers mm, definitely so with with the protein powder you couldn't even return it like mm. you, you know once you open it you can't really return it and then same with the waist chain it was an undergarment so again no returns um with clothing there's sizing you've got to keep so many so many different products um you've constantly got to get new things in because people get bored uh so there are a lot more challenges and yeah it, it is it is a lot harder <laughs> what's the model for actually getting the clothing are you um designing to trends are you purchasing from things that you admire what's the kind of model for for the 
the scalability, I guess, that has to be present to make a really big online brand? Um, with the clothing, so I've tried designing and manufacturing my own clothing before. The minimums were high. Sampling took months back and forth between China. Um, so I was like, okay, I really don't want to do that again if I don't have if I don't have to. So we just buy wholesale. The product's already pre ready. We just select things. Um, so from the time that we pick the item to the time it arrives to us is a pretty short, it's like just a few weeks. Um, and so again, it's it's pretty easy. Tell me about the um, the launch of that because that went from zero to um, huge numbers, like two hundred thousand plus followers mm. on um, Instagram in a very short time. Um, it did. It did. It did cost a little bit though. So pe- I know people probably don't realize um, we got three of the largest influencers in Australasia to um, run some launch promotions. And then we also did a ton of promotion, promoting here all, all in the same week um, of the launch. And we then in the second month, we did like a launch party kind of thing. So it's just getting a ton of people involved, trying to generate a lot of attention. And that energy and that attention that you create, um, how do you then turn that into sales? Like do you... Um, I know, do you, do you run a like typical funnel uh, where you kind of like try and capture their email address and then keep going, or is it remarketing, or what's what's your kind of like? Um, how do you turn that kung fu of lots of visitors into a, a, a good business? It's everything, like what you just said. It's a little bit of uh, remarketing. We do e- regular emails. Um, we do influences, and then we also do a lot of events. Mm. Um, and all of it is just to create brand love. It's to create loyalty. And it's just to remind people again, like that we're here. Because again, we're e-commerce. We we've got no physical presence. We have to keep reminding you that we're here. Yeah. How do you make people feel part of a club? Um, I really love the way that uh, on the Instagram um, for Bambi Boutique, it says, you know, tag um, Bambi Babe to be featured, uh, which, which is cool. So do you have people from all around the world um, submitting user-generated content for you? Yeah, definitely. I think you can kind of get the ball rolling by getting some of the more influential girls to start posting, and then people will see them and be like, oh, I want to do that too. I want to post a photo. I want to get reposted. Um, and that's how you get customers or people that like your brand to post as well. Mm-hmm. And how about your own personal um, journey uh, into being an influencer in the space as well. Is that the word that you use for it? Like, what? How do you describe um, be, being a um, ambassador for other brands on uh, social media? I suppose it would be called influencing. I I don't do it full time. I know mm. some of the girls they do do it full time, um, so they get paid for uh, sponsorships and going to events and things. But uh, I just like going to events mm. every so often. I'll get sent some things. Um, and I'll do some sponsored posts, but again, it's not my full time. So, hmm. and what's your criteria for taking something on? Is it just something that you you're interested in, or that you wanted to try, or? Generally, it is something I like. So a lot of them are like clothing, um, accessories, or even like food delivery ones, or like Uber Eats, um, just things that I like myself. How big a following do you have to have to be a useful? Because we we hear about kind of micro-influencers and, and the very, you know, the very famous ones, do you get kind of more value out of doing 10 micro than one macro that might be the same cost? Um, so I always tell people micro, it's, it kind of has, has authenticity. 
So it might be somebody you trust or you probably would believe them a little bit more. Um, But macro, they're really good for getting in front of a mass of people. So probably better for brand awareness. So it is good to use both of them hand in hand. So it's like the the macro is just a billboard. Mm, You don't know if it's going to convert, but the the micro are kind of trusted ambassadors. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably trust them like it could be you know, your friend or your sister or, you know, somebody that you trust, yeah. So along the way, lots of people have asked um, you for your advice about, you know, how to run successful online um, businesses and about how to how to be a boss, you know, how to, like, um, make a company out of nothing so quickly. T- tell me about the girls in business idea that you've um, created to kind of answer a lot of those questions. So girls in business, it started off as a Facebook group. Um, We've grown to 50,000 members. It's mainly New Zealand based. The majority of the members are in Auckland. Um, But now it's actually turning into events. So we're doing monthly events and we're doing a large event at the end of the year. I I wanted to create this group because when I started my businesses, I had no one to talk to. I didn't know anybody else that had a business. Uh, Any questions that I had, I I had to figure out myself. There was literally no one I could ask. So now at least there's like a community that people, if they do have a question or they want to get some advice or um, something like that, they can just post in the group and everyone helps each other out, which is really great. That's really interesting. Like what kind of stuff, because you are way better prepared than maybe some entrepreneurs as well starting out having done a BCom and, you you know, um, really studied and equipped yourself um, to be ready to, you know, be be, um, qualified in marketing and business. Um, But how important is it to have that network of people doing the same stuff at the same time? I think it's helpful. Uh, Even, I think, two weeks ago, somebody that I met through the group, she's another business owner in New Zealand, I wanted to get some advice about shipping companies. And I just just asked her and we just compared. Um, Even having that little chat was, like, so helpful to me, probably saved me time, saved me some effort. Um, So just little things like that is helpful. What happens at the events? At the event, so at our last event, we had four speakers. Um, I spoke myself. I had Lisa King from Eat My Lunch. We had Matilda Rice and uh, Ashley Allen from Ashley Allen Eyelash Extensions. They shared their story. They shared their journey. um, And I just wanted the day to be about inspiring everyone that came. And we also had like a networking session so people could meet each other. And one of the coolest things that someone came up to me was and said was that she was new in Auckland. She didn't know anybody, um, and that this was just such such a great event for her to meet some people. She didn't know anybody. Mm. That's so cool. And that idea of like um, sharing and bringing people into the community, which is something you've done in the companies and now in the um, the business network, uh, and then also um, the podcast. So you're out there telling stories um, in in podcasts. Oh, I haven't quite started podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do interviews, um, but oh, I'm actually am really busy, so I was I don't think I have time to do YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, but yeah. yeah another another beast to feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of consulting, so um, another part of your business is helping brands who um, would like to know about this world of um, online influencer and um, online marketing, and, and how are you helping them? Yeah, so at the moment I do do consulting and social media management. Um, So, I mean, I do the social media management because that's what I do day in and day out. So I was like, I could probably do it for other businesses. Um, And then again, consulting, if someone wants help with the strategy or if they would just want to go over something for me to reassure what they're doing is 
is like what I would do or what I, my opinion basically. Um, they just give me a call or we book a time and go over it. <laughs> what advice do you give to people who are wondering about starting their own thing? Mm, I always say if you have something in your mind that you want to do, to just try it because I think the, all the biggest companies, they kind of happen in, unintentionally in a way. So they start small and it's just by putting it into action and just trying different things. Do you have any words that you live by? My favourite quote is day one or one day. And again, it's just the, the thing about taking action. If you have something you want to do, why don't you just try it? Because a lot of the things, the resources we have today, the internet, it's made everything very cheap. Um, you can do a lot of, you can start very easily. So why not just give it a go? And is there anything that you wish that you'd known earlier? There are heaps of things I wish I'd known earlier, but you learn all these things along the way. You have to learn to problem solve and just move forwards past everything, every little thing that happens, um, and everything's a learning experience. So, Yeah, and it sounded kind of like um, things were assured, but, I mean, it must be, you know, with the amount of um, investment you have to make and some of these big bets you've made on, you know, uh, huge influencer payments and the like, you know, um, have you ever thought that it wasn't going to work or has it ever been kind of like, um, have you wondered, you, you know, is this the right thing to do? Yes, of course you have um, a little bit of doubt sometimes, but I think as long as you think logically and you've tried things out in s before in maybe a smaller amount and then this is just you redoing it on a larger and larger scale, um, which is safe, I would say, then I think that's fine. That's how you, would that's how you scale and grow. So, And what's next? What's next? Um, I honestly just want to have probably have a family, <laughs> have kids, um, finish my house build, and just keep doing my businesses. And that's, yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and uh, sharing your story today. That's Ia Liu of uh, Girls in Business. If you are interested in jumping on, you can find that on Facebook. It's a Facebook page to join uh, in Bambi Boutique at the moment. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much to Alice with Liddell for producing, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin Off Podcast Network.